Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Time to download that KDOS 1060 app. Make sure you're registered. Get yourself involved in the listener rewards opportunities. Right now, there's a $100 gift certificate up for grabs courtesy of Superbook Sports. It is the Extra Point on this Wednesday, August 23rd. Bob Kemp Kayla Mortolaro with you. We'll also have a four-pack of Diamondbacks tickets to see the Diamondbacks take on the Reds for the Saturday, August 26th contest. We'll also have your phone calls today. If you'd like to join in, 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll take your calls around 1030 and 1115 today. But as we typically do, let's get things started with the poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question, which involves the Buffalo. Buffalo Bills. Bob had a conversation with Matt Perino from Syracuse.com chatting all things Buffalo Bills. And if you missed it, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com. Uh, over under 10 and a half wins for the Bills this season. Under leads the way. 64% of the vote over. Getting some love here with an hour of time uh, now at 36% of the vote. Okay, a little boost there uh, in the last hour. All right, the Bills, obviously, the regular season has been an issue for them. They've won the AFC East the last three years. Haven't been able to get over that hump to get back to the Super Bowl from, like, the early 90s when they made it four consecutive years. Uh, but they haven't been able to get back uh, the last uh, three seasons. Uh, they lost twice. They got eliminated twice at Kansas City. And then last year they got beat at home uh, by Cincinnati, so they've got to change that postseason yeah, they changed the end of the season theme. Uh, I you know, think they probably, I think they care how many regular season wins they have because of home field and so forth. But even when they had it, it didn't matter last year. You know, I heard this uh, two schools of thought for the AFC East. So both you and I are in agreement about the AFC North, the intrigue of the division, the potential first, and there being good teams coming out of that division. Now, they had heard something similar of the AFC East, that there's a lot of good teams out of this division and that there could potentially be three playoff teams. On the flip side of that, I heard uh, a completely different argument that said, no, this particular division is not as as good as the AFC North and that there was going to be one clear person and only one person is going to be making or one team is going to be making the playoffs. I don't know about the one team thing, but I will say I think it's safe to, you know, at least for me, uh, I think less of, uh, well, I, did, I actually had questions about Buffalo before the preseason uh, in the training camp and the offseason, etc. But I'm pretty disappointed in what I've seen from the Jets. Uh, and heard from about the Jets. And uh, really, you know, Miami has massive injury issues with the Jalen Ramsey thing. You know, Armstead can't stay healealthy for many of his seasons. He's missed uh, multiple games at least a quarter of the season. 
I believe it's six of his ten years he's missed quarter a quarter of the season or something in those that ballpark. Uh, he's you know he went down they they escaped a, a serious injury with him last week. So three of the fourteen the, the three supposed contenders here. Uh, one I was uh, skeptical about Buffalo to begin with, and the Jets in Miami I just haven't really seen or liked what I've seen or heard. Uh, in the last you know couple of months here the next thing i'm about to say is going to fall in line uh with your school of thinking so i was reading up on something in regards to the afc east and they were talking about how the afc east has uh aaron Rodgers, it has josh allen it has tua tungavaloa and it has bill belichick it completely ignored mac jones in the quarterback conversation well, I'm okay with that because you know, I'm the, the Mac Jones skeptic of America. I just don't think he's more than an above-average quarterback or will ever be more than an above-average quarterback in the NFL. If he proves me wrong, I'll quickly admit that, or maybe not quickly, but eventually admit that. But I'm not buying that. But I, I'm not really sure. Would, you know, Aaron Rodgers behind the worst offensive line of his career. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I said that before. You know, all the problems that we've seen the last couple of weeks, either uh, on hard knocks or, you know, joint practices, etc. Same thing in some cases because, you know, the, the starters have not played. Uh, I don't know if any of his starting offensive line guys have actually played in the preseason, but, you know, I don't think that's gone too well. And, you know, can you, you know, God bless them. Uh, can you trust Tua staying healthy? Absolutely. Questions there for the AFC East. And there's some hard knocks conversation that we will save for our number two. As uh, for now, though, we need to get into the second poll question of the day. And that's the Twitter poll question over at KDOS AM 1060. Rank your level of interest in the 2023 ASU football team. Right now, we continue to be in a high, uh, a tie between high and low. Now at 40.9% of the vote each and moderate trailing at 18.2%. The reason I, we threw this in there today is because yeah, yesterday it was reported that uh, Kenny Dillingham has decided that the heralded transfer, Jaden Rashada, will be the starting quarterback uh, for the first game on September the 30th. That's, what, a week from tomorrow? Yeah. Yes. Uh, against Southern Utah. Uh, he was a heralded four-star quarterback. Not everybody thinks he's really a four-star quarterback. But he was originally part of the 2023 recruiting class to the University of Florida, which got all kinds of national attention because he had this supposed massive NIL deal at Florida. That completely fell apart, and that's why he left. Which we'll get into a little bit more about that in today's show and, of course, answering the poll question, which can be found over at Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Let's get into the Arizona Diamondbacks, however. Uh, they had a sensational outing from Zach Gallen last night against a potent Rangers club. Six innings, seven hits, one run, one walk, 11 strikeouts, one home run on 90 pitches. The bullpen had some struggles, including Paul Sewold getting uh, the save, though, after the Rangers had loaded up the bases in the ninth, Alec Thomas had a great catch that kind of catapulted that ninth going the right direction. It was a 6-3 to three final, and the Diamondbacks took two games and a two-game sweep there of the Rangers. I think the 90 pitches thing is the key here. I mean, Gallon was tremendous. I mean, he struck out 11, one of the best lineups in baseball, albeit the Rangers certainly slumping here of late. 
mainly at the plate. I mean, their pitching and defense hasn't been bad lately, but their offense has been a uh, season low, and the Rangers have lost. They had lost more than four consecutive games at any point this season, and after losing here the last two nights, they've lost six. But the fact that Gallon had to use 90 pitches, and you strike out 11 guys, you're going to throw a lot of pitches usually. So 90 pitches through six innings, and they had a 6-1 to lead. And the fact that Lavello actually had to use you know, Ginkle and, uh, and Seawald in the eighth and the ninth innings, uh, it got hairy. And uh, if it wasn't for the tremendous catch in uh, center field by Thomas, uh, you know, he, he actually saved the game. Uh, if that falls in, all hell is going to break loose in that ninth inning. Absolutely there. Uh, to your point, though, about Zach Gallen and just, you know, his overall performance here, he is the odds-on favorite right now in the National League Cy, Cy Young uh, at plus 110 over on FanDuel. Spencer Strider behind him at plus 320, Blake Snell at plus 360, and then Logan Webb at plus 850. As it is for the Diamondbacks here, the two-game sweep over the Rangers did them well because there's been some changes now. In the NL West, you have the Dodgers remaining on top at 76-48, and 48, the Diamondbacks sitting at 66-61, and 61, 11 and a half games back, and the Giants at 65-61, and 61, 12 games back. This means there's been some changes in the overall wild card race as well. You still have the Braves leading things in the National League at 81 and 44, the Dodgers 76 and 48 as I mentioned, the Brewers 69 and 57. The wild card race, Phillies 69 and 57, the Cubs 65 and 60, and the Diamondbacks sneaking in there for that last wild card spot. The Reds a half game back, the Giants a half game back, and the Marlins one game back. Uh, I'm going to talk about this Cy Young thing. I can't believe Justin Steele's not in those odds. Uh, he's tied for the most wins in the National League. He's playing for the Cubs. You know they're in a, you know they're you know, tied with the Diamondbacks in the wild card. I guess they're kind of you know like a game ahead, right? Or game lost column, they're a game ahead because they played uh, the, they played uh, fewer games than the Diamondbacks. But whatever. But I'm stunned that just Justin Steele's not involved in those odds. I would vote for him before at least a couple of those guys you just mentioned there. Uh, as it is, though, here, the Diamondbacks, they took care of this first series in a very difficult stretch. Next up, they have the Reds, the Dodgers, and the Orioles. Previously, when you were asking about things for the Diamondbacks and the optimism behind it, and I said, let's be cautious about it here, has going out and getting two wins over the Rangers changed anything for you? Are you still on the side of wanting to see how these next couple of really challenging series unfold? Yeah, I want to see how the series go, but I think last night's the best game that they've played. You know, obviously, you know, Gallon was dominant. They also did a really good job of moving base runners. They scored runs with outs. Uh, they advanced runners uh, when they should have, and it was situational hitting that we have not seen from this team very often, really since July the 1st, especially since the All-Star break. And they did those things, and obviously it wasn't just Thomas. Uh, you know, there was a you know, Perdomo made quite a play at shortstop last night. Also, uh, they played really good defense, which they have for most of the season. But they've had some, uh, you know, more than a couple of pockets of bad defense also since the All Star break. I think that's the best all around game the Diamondbacks have played until the eighth and the ninth innings, when I just think that Ginkle and Seawald have been overused here of late. 
And I'm not blaming Lavello for that. He had to put those. You know, he didn't want to put those guys in there. And you know, he mentioned after the in the post game that you know, the last couple innings didn't go as planned because they had to use four pitchers two consecutive days, which wasn't the plan. Uh, and uh, you know, they they used a ton of pitchers. Obviously, they went bullpen on Monday night, but they had to use it for four guys yesterday that actually pitched on Monday night. The good news is they have today off, and the Reds have a doubleheader in uh, Anaheim today before the Reds are here for a four-game series starting tomorrow night. Yeah, you mentioned the Reds, so they're a half game back now. They are the ones that slid there. Uh, you know, they're on the outside looking in right now. The Diamondbacks slid into the last wild card spot, so this is going to be an important four game series for them. The Reds, though, have a doubleheader today. Andrew Abbott, eight and three, two point nine nine ERA, eighty eight strikeouts, going up against Shohei Otani with the Angels, ten and five, three point one seven ERA, one hundred and sixty five strikeouts. And last I saw, the Reds did not yet name a starter for their second game, uh, Reed Detmers going for the Angels. Yeah, I'm assuming it's a bullpen game for the Reds. They're kind of a mess right now. Uh, it's good that Abbott's pitching uh, today for the Reds. It's good for the Diamondbacks that he will not be pitching against them this weekend because he is by far their best starting pitcher. And he's only been up for like two months. He did not start the season in the major. I think he actually started the season in double A. And he is by far their best starting pitcher, and he will not be part of the four-game series here. Uh, so that is what's going on for the series with the Reds wrapping up in L.A. And then before they come here to face the Diamondbacks for a four-game set. And I did see that at least as of now, because the Diamondbacks are off, they will send Merrill Kelly to the mound on Thursday. So that's a good person to have on the mound to kickstart that series. They haven't officially announced that, but I'm guessing that would be the case, and that's his turn. So I don't think they're going to skip him. So that's the assumption. They've not, to my knowledge, uh, had not officially named a starting pitcher. But they don't have to. <laughs> right. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more about the Rangers losing six in a row and how that has now tightened up the American League West. And we'll get into some more happening around the American League and some of the other matchups that are set to take place today. That's all coming up here in the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060. And as a reminder here for you, Saturday, August 26th, it is bear down time. The D-backs are hosting the Reds for U of A night presented by Chase. Fans can purchase a special event ticket package to receive a game ticket and co-branded U of A D-backs t-shirts. Visit dbacks.com slash U of A to secure your tickets now. Once again, that's Saturday, August 26th with the Diamondbacks hosting the Reds at a 5 10 p.m. start more major league baseball discussion is happening here in the extra point on kdos am 1060 carving out time in your afternoon for the doug gottlieb show right here on kdos am 1060 100.7 hd2 and kdos1060.com weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Welcome back to 
this Wednesday, August 23rd edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at kdos1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is Bob Camp, Kayla Mortellaro with you up until noon today as we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's continue the Major League Baseball conversation as the Diamondbacks took care of the Rangers in a two-game set here. This has had some implications across the American League and the American League West. The Rangers now have lost six in a row and things have tightened up significantly in the AL West. You have the Rangers out on t- in top, though, still 72 and 54. The Astros 72 and 55, a half game back. And the Mariners 71 and 55, one game back. Yeah, the Mariners uh, making their you know, seemingly annual late season push here and Unfortunately for them, after Julio Rodriguez had one of the greatest, you know, actually the greatest, you know, four-game stretch as far as hits in 98 years, he's missed the last two days. Uh, one was a, quote, scheduled day off, and then yesterday they said he was ill. Uh, so we'll see if he comes back today. So needless to say, he's a... Uh, He's really, you know, their offense is their weakness. Uh, even when they've been hot here of late, it's not been great. And if he's not, uh, you know, in the lineup and producing at a high level, they're pretty mediocre and have been most of the season. As far as the Astros go, uh, the latest Jordan Alvarez situation has me seriously concerned. I want to see him back in there soon. Uh, he was scratched from the lineup yesterday. Uh, he quote slammed his door in a uh, hand in a door at home. Uh, it injured his left index finger. Dusty Baker said it wasn't serious, but you know, we heard for weeks uh, when Alvarez had a baseball injury, missed 50-some games, but Baker told us numerous times that Alvarez would be back, like, soon. And, like, we kind of got the idea it was going to be, like, the next day, and it wasn't the next day for weeks. So I want to see him. I'm, I'm not believing anything I hear from Dusty right now. And yeah, he also said that Jose Abreu, who's been on the injured list, and actually was hitting the ball much better after a horrendous first three months of the season. He's been on the injured list, and uh, Dusty said yesterday that Abreu uh, could return before the end of the homestand. Well, that better be soon because the homestand ends tomorrow. Yeah, speaking of that homestand, it continues today with the Red Sox at the Astros here. Chris Sale going for the Sox, 5-3, 4.50 ERA, 81 strikeouts. And Jose Urquidy, 2-3, 5.21 ERA, 34 strikeouts. Uh, the Astros have taken the first two games over the Red Sox so far. Yeah, they play four games in Houston this week and three more in Boston next week. Then you have here some intrigue taking place in the American League East. The Orioles remain on top, 77 and 48. The Rays, 76 and 51, two games back. The Blue Jays, 70 and 56, seven and a half games back. Uh, so some intrigue there with the Blue Jays and the Orioles squaring off today. Kevin Gosman, nine and seven, 3.24 ERA, 187 strikeouts going up against Jack Flaherty, eight and eight, 4.73 ERA, 125 strikeouts. And you had Flaherty, who was great in his first start with the Orioles. Then he gave up three runs through five innings in his next start and seven runs through three innings in his following start after that. Yeah, I'm going to do. I beg to differ. I don't think there's any intrigue as far as this division goes. I think the question is whether the Rays actually hold on and make the playoffs at this point. 
they might just fall out of the wild card entirely. Uh, Wander Franco, who uh, you can make a case has been the best shortstop in the American League this season. Uh, he's out with seemingly for the season. Um, he was placed uh, on a uh, the uh, I gotta find the official list here. Uh, he was uh, placed on the administrative leave list yesterday under uh, baseball MLB's joint policy on domestic violence, sexual abuse, and child abuse. And uh, it seems like nobody thinks that he's going to be back this season. And he's their best player. Randy Arozarena, who got off to a great start, he's been very mediocre since July the 1st. And uh, losing Franco, and then we've talked about the pitching staff. They've lost four pitchers to shoulder or, or Tommy John surgery this season. I wonder now if the Jays can even hang on and just make the playoffs. That's the intrigue here. Yeah. So to give you a breakdown of everything, the American League with the Orioles, 77 and 48, Rangers, 72 and 54, the Twins, 65 and 61. Currently in a wild card spot, the Rays, 76 and 51, the Astros, 72 and 55, the Mariners, 71 and 55. And on the outside looking in, the Blue Jays, one game back and the Red Sox, five games back. Another content. Let me add, let me add one other quick thing from the American League that I didn't get to my, my bad in the last hour during the sports zone. Yesterday was a huge day for the White Sox. Uh, once again, Jerry Reinsdorf, and this has happened like at least three times in the last you know, 40 years. I'm not exaggerating on the time because I remember it was in the late 80s when he threatened to move to St. Petersburg. Uh, he's threatening to move the White Sox out of Chicago again because they screwed up Comiskey Park 40 years ago and he wants a new stadium. Also yesterday, as far as just the current team goes, they fired front office executives Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, uh, who, quite frankly, I don't know why they've been employed this long, uh, especially Williams, who's actually been there since the – I moved to Chicago in 1994, and he was part of their front office then. Uh, he did what they did, he did an excellent job uh, rebuilding and winning the World Series in 2005. Rick Hahn's come in. And I think that he's done a really poor job with team construction. I've said many times the last two years, this is a really poorly constructed team. Nobody seemingly can play any defense, and nobody in the organization seems to care that they don't play any defense. And everybody blamed Tony La Russa. Uh, I think that people that blame Tony La Russa the last two years should, uh, you know, if you see him, actually – uh, he lives here in the Valley. Last I saw, I, I even saw him at a restaurant a couple years ago. Uh, if you see La Russa, you should apologize for criticizing because it certainly wasn't his fault that they weren't very good last year. One thing on the White Sox and Jerry Reinsdorf uh, threatening to look for a new location for the White Sox, uh, this seems to be just a general theme that's taking place in Major League Baseball, obviously with the A's and their upcoming relocation to Las Vegas. And I know that Rob Manford has wanted to talk about expansion and thrown out a couple of different ideas of, of where expansion teams could be. Nashville, uh, Salt Lake City come to mind off the top of my head. But then also just curious if any of those cities are interested in relocation and just kind of how uh, you know these these owners are pitting uh, public funds against these cities and just kind of the the mess that could be created here. Well, I'm totally against you know, the ownership of any any sport you know doing the public funding for a stadium, uh, but these are two completely different issues uh, with Oakland and the White Sox. 
You know, Oakland has had a dump of a stadium for years. I was actually there for the 1990 World Series when the Reds actually last won the World Series. And the Oakland Coliseum was a dump. In, I'm not exaggerating at all here. In 1990, the White Sox is a totally different situation. He threatened to move in the late 80s uh, to St. Petersburg. He got a new ballpark built. A lot of that had to do with uh, you know, legislative funding and so forth. And they screwed up the ballpark. I mean, it's all, you know, I was first moved to Chicago in 94. I'd never been to the new Comiskey. And, you know, the old Comiskey had to be replaced because it was like 1918 or whatever it was. Uh, but it, the, the so-called new Comiskey, that wasn't even a really good ballpark then uh, for anything, quite frankly. And they've tried to modify it and upgrade, and they're competing against Wrigley Field, which is stupid. They should just try to give that up because it's not going to ever be Wrigley Field. Uh, but, you know, this Reinsdorf thing, what he's doing in Chicago and trying to hold them hostage again is completely what's uh, different from Oakland, which is just a dump of a stadium and has been for 40 years. Well, you also have whatever's going on with the Brewers. You also have whatever's going on with the Baltimore Orioles. So there's definitely plenty of other teams uh, to throw into the category there with the White Sox. And then, obviously, right here in town, you have uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks lease at Chase Field up in 2027. So that's something that we'll have to start paying attention to as well with the future of of that uh, whole situation. When it comes to uh, other games going on here today, you have the Giants at the Phillies. Alex Cobb, 6-5, 3.75 ERA, 113 strikeouts. Michael Lorenzen, 7-8, 3.57 ERA, 94 strikeouts. Lorenzen's first two starts with the Phillies were good, including that August 9th complete game shutout. Uh, he struggled in his August 18th start, uh, just three and a third innings pitched. Meanwhile, the Giants have lost six of their last eight. Yeah, and they've now they're the ones that fell behind the Diamondbacks in the standings and the wild card standings last night with their loss, walk off loss in uh, in Philadelphia. The Phillies are actually playing really well uh, at this point. Uh, you know, the Giants now currently out of the wild card chase for the first time in a really really long time. Uh, so we'll see what's up with that. As far as this game, you know, Cobb is literally one of the last two starting pitchers standing. Uh, they just go opener pretty much every other – not pretty much. They've gone opener with every other start for a while. They used the minor league phenom yesterday, but he hasn't pitched more than five innings in any minor league start this year. Uh, so it's you know down to Cobb and Logan Webb now. And you know the Giants' bullpen has thrown the most innings, as you would expect, considering the way they're going through things here. Uh, they've thrown the most innings, the bullpen of any bullpen in Major League Baseball – and I think a lot of those guys that are overused are now gassed. Would it shock you if the Giants didn't make the playoffs? Not at all. Well, they're not in right now. Correct, yes. If the season were to end today. Uh, the Marlins are at the Padres here. Sandy Alcantara, 6-10, 4 uh, 4.11 ERA, 141 strikeouts going up against Seth Lugo, 4-6, 3.92 ERA, 103 strike strikeouts is uh alcantara back he has a 2.48 era here yeah. in the month of august he's been actually pretty good here you know as you mentioned those numbers and you know for the most part uh when he was struggling in the first half of the season literally the first half of the season 
It was the strangest thing I've seen from a pitcher in a long time, any pitcher in a long time. He would just like cruise through innings and then have one terrible inning where everything just blew up on him. Uh, and that happened numerous times. Uh, so if you just kind of take, uh, if there was such a stat, I probably is a stat somewhere. I'm sure some metric person has this available, even though it might be totally irrelevant. But if there was a stat that actually just graded the most effective innings pitched this season, uh, Contra would be very high in the percentage that he was an effect, he had an effective inning but he's had too many one-inning performances in starts where he's gotten blown up. The Dodgers, they're 13-2 here in their last uh, 15 games. They are coming off of a loss, though, but Clayton Kershaw is set to pitch here today against the Guardians. Bobby Miller, uh, I think Dave Roberts, uh, I would assume, I didn't see his press conference or read any quotes from Roberts. He left Bobby Miller in the game way too long yesterday. He was cruising along against Cleveland, uh, and they had he had double-digit strikeouts. In Cleveland, they don't score runs, but they also almost never strike out. They have one of the lowest strikeout rates in baseball, and Miller was blowing them away. And uh, you know, they were actually winning the game, and uh, you know, it fell apart because he left Miller, Roberts left Miller in the game too long last night. Usually he takes pitchers out too soon. You, last night he left them in too long. 602-260-1060. That's the number if you'd like to join the program on the other side of the break. We'll uh, change away from Major League Baseball. and We'll get into college football. We'll update things going on at ASU, who's the starting quarterback set to face uh, Southern Utah here in a week. And then we'll also get to some other college football topics with uh, – Hot Seat Watch by Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports. So we'll dive into who's on the warm seat, who's on the hot seat, and who's on the sizzling seat. So we'll get into all of that next here on the K, uh, on the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KTUS 1060 app. KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in here. Talking about college football in this segment, uh, ASU, they've named their starting quarterback for game one versus Southern Utah and it's going to be Jaden Rashada. Beat out Trenton Borgay and Drew Pine, the Notre Dame transfer. Pine suffered a hamstring injury at Camp T on August 12th here so unsure how much that injury impacted the uh, three-person battle to become the starting quarterback but obviously probably had some implications there Uh, but Kenny Dillingham saying that Rashad is making some really good throws and making some great progress there. Interesting here, we you detailed in the sports zone everything that's been going on in terms of Rashad's journey to get to ASU regarding uh, the situation that happened with him 
at Florida and how he had signed to go there and apparently had signed a four-year deal with the Gator Collective. It was a four-year, $13.85 million deal. Reports about what happened and eventually Rashada asking out of his national letter of intent with Florida led him then to come to ASU. True, and uh, it's kind of a he he said, she said type of thing with uh, what happened at Florida, but... It was uh, he was heralded by some, not completely in. Uh, not everybody believes he's going to be a great quarterback, or you know, even thought that when he was coming out of high school, uh, before that big NIL deal, etc. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, I will say that you know I've seen you know I saw Drew Pine enough when he was at Notre Dame, and I certainly saw enough of Borgay last year that uh, I don't think that ASU had a chance to win a whole lot of games with either of those guys. I don't think they're going to win a whole lot of games no matter who the quarterback is. But at least there's, uh, I think that they're doing the right thing by going with the guy that has you know, the, the so-called upside here. Uh, they're clearly, I don't think there's any upside with Borgay or Drew Pine. One thing that I also hadn't really seen, uh, I've seen the NIL news more than I've actually seen this part, that Jaden Rashada's dad, Harlan, actually played defensive back here at ASU from 1992 to 1994. Yeah, I didn't know that. And also, when all that was going down before he... You know, like committed to Florida, there was a lot of things about you know Rashada and his influence and what he was trying. You know, good. Every parent should try to get as much for their kid as possible, but wasn't all positive. Uh, you know, scrutiny. Let's put it that way. Well, something that's not always positive here when you land yourself on the hot seat watch, it's uh, by Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports. So let's get into a couple of these names here. Ross has broken down the categories in warm seats, hot seats, and sizzling seats. So a couple of names here starting us off in the warm seats is Tom Allen with Indiana. Uh, Won four games in 2022, so last year. Two games in 2021. He did really well in the COVID year 2020, and that was the year that Michael Penix Jr. was the quarterback. And they really weren't that good that year. Uh, you know, they had you know the, the watered down and changed schedule. Remember the Big Ten modified their schedule after they said they weren't even going to play football that year in COVID, and then they just went to a watered down schedule. They had a horrendously bad schedule, and the you know the the game that where they seemed to get the most attention. And Penix got the most national attention was at Ohio State. They were losing that game 35 to seven in that game, and then Penix, you know, racked up a bunch of yards against a not good Ohio State defense in the second half. They came within one score before Penix threw a pick six to basically clinch the game for Ohio State. That's the game that he got most of the attention. I think that Tom Allen seems to be a nice human being. He's a rah rah guy. He is a horrendous game day coach, and we've made some substantial cash, at least in my opinion, uh, betting against his teams the last several years now. I'm actually stunned he is still the coach there. I think the only reason he is still the coach there is because they have because of the pandemic in 2020. Also, well, Big Ten has money. I, I thought I read somewhere that his buyout's like 20 million. Well, and the other thing is, does anybody in the state of Indiana actually care about football? 
Uh, you know, they've not rarely been any good, whether he's been the coach or somebody else has been the coach, and there's been plenty of somebody else's have been the coach. It's a basketball state. Uh, that's uh, you, know, you know, IU basketball is number one, two, and three on the importance list. So you know, football is just kind of a recreational activity almost. Next up on the list here in the warm seat, Steve Starkeesian with Texas here. Ross points this out, and it was kind of what I was thinking. Isn't it sort of the case that it doesn't matter who the coach is and no matter what year you're in in your tenure with Texas, you're kind of always on like a warm seat just because of Texas football here. Uh, Texas recruiting, though, their their class this year coming into the 2023 season is third behind Alabama and Georgia, so they have to figure out a way to win those close games that they lost last year. True, uh, and they've been losing these close games for several years, really since the end of the Mac Brown administration, or really since you know, when Mac Brown was actually there the last couple of years, they lost a bunch of games that they shouldn't have lost. So or you would think that they weren't going to lose. Uh, if I got my numbers right, and we previewed Texas several weeks ago during our college football preview week, but you know, I recall that uh, Sharkeesian, he's never coached a team that's won more than nine games, and he's never coached a team that finished the regular season in, in, uh, the, the, in uh, the season, actually, any season, in the top 20. Wow. And Not a lot, once. There's a lot of love, though, for Texas this year to win the Big 12. There always is. Uh, I'm on Kansas State. Justin Wilcox with Cal here is on the warm seat, uh, but Cal, they're in a bad situation with their athletic department financially. They're in debt around $450 million, won four mm-hmm. games last year, two in Pac-12 play, and in 2021, they won five games. Also, you have the situation just looming at large here about what to do with the program and what conference they're going to be in starting next year. Well, you mentioned the debt thing. That's apparently the biggest reason why the Big Ten wants no part of Cal. Uh, So there's that. Uh, As far as uh, Wilcox, there was actually uh, an erroneous report that actually occurred while it was on the air last season that he had been fired during the season. Turned out it was the offensive coordinator that was fired. Uh, So that was a a poor report. I'd give them full credit or discredit if I remember who actually reported that, but that actually happened during my show because I remember during the one-hour sports zone, I remember saying that he had been fired, and then like 10 minutes later, oh, sorry, we screwed that up. So I actually think he's a pretty good coach, but uh, they just don't have very many players, and the financial situation there cannot be helping uh, the state of the program. Hot seat here. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz with Missouri. Six wins last year, lost in a bowl game. Six wins in 2021, lost in a bowl game. Five wins in 2020. He does have a $20 million buyout. This is just me opining. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. Um, Isn't it kind of hard to win in the SEC, no matter who the coach is, and you're, you're coaching at Missouri? I agree with that. Pinkle had some very good success there. You know, that was, you know, some of the big in the big 12, but, or the big, whatever it was then, as far as the number goes. But, uh, you know, that was, uh, you know, he had some, but, uh, you know, that was uh, interesting. That was a different situation. Uh, so we'll say one thing is that Drinkwitz has had a tremendous recruiting class and I don't even follow recruiting. Uh, and I know that uh, he got one of the uh, top five players in the country and here in the last with uh, week or two, and uh, I read that little snippet there 
that that just adds to one of the top recruiting classes in the country. Uh, so he's uh, done a nice job, uh, at least in the future, whoever, whether he's there or some other coach is there. Uh, he seems like he's uh, doing a good job bringing talent to the uh, to Columbia, Missouri. Dana Holgerton with Houston here. Uh, it's the first year for them in the Big 12. <laughs> Last year, they finished 8-5 and 5-3 five and five and in conference play. Now moving up to the Big 12. Yeah, I've never understood this fascination of Holgerson. I mean, he made a reputation when he was Mike Gundy's assistant at Oklahoma State several years ago. Went to West Virginia. I thought that pretty much every team that he coached in West Virginia should have been better. Uh, and certainly that's been the case at Houston, uh, except for the one year, I forget the quarterback's name, unfortunately, the guy that had the terrible injury, and then they brought him back for the bowl game and he got injured again, which was a stupid move. Uh, looked, you know, giving him another opportunity. I'm sure it was medically cleared, but you got to use some common sense. Uh, but I've never understood anything to do with uh, you know, the allure that some people think that Holgerson's a good coach. Uh, then you also have Dino Babers with Syracuse on this list. He's entering his eighth season with the Orange, seven wins last year, which is probably why he's getting this opportunity this year. Five wins in 2021, one win in 2020, five wins in 2019, and ten wins in 2018 with some success prior to that. Uh, former U of A assistant coach Dino Babers. Um, they were the luckiest team in college football at the start of last season. They beat a bunch of really bad teams and needed a lot of luck to even do that. And then once the schedule got tough, I believe they lost like five out of six or six out of seven in last season. Uh, and I actually was surprised he came back this year. I thought he'd be fired at the end of last year. But maybe once again, uh, I know Syracuse football is not exactly number one on the list. It's very similar to Indiana. I mean, Syracuse basketball, the Carrier Dome, uh, they get more people for basketball games than football games. That I tell you something about the importance of football in Syracuse. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M. Bobby Petrino is in as offensive coordinator here in 2021. Uh, last year, they had a 5-7 and seven record that included losses to Appalachian State, and five of those losses came by one score. Yeah, and... Uh, I think Jimbo's on this. I'm guessing that you know, you know Dellinger's list from last year is he was probably on last year's hot seat list too. Uh, the buyout is enormous. It was like ninety million dollars last year. I don't know what it is now. Uh, I think it's but, down uh, to seventy. Oh right. Well, if A and M has you know they got a lot of boosters that have a lot of money. So if they want to get him out of there, he would already be out of there, I guess. But. Uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. A lot of people just think that, uh, you know, they've got a lot of talent. Uh, you know, they've had, you know, top recruiting classes. I mean, li literally the top recruiting class, the group that was freshman last year. Some of those guys uh, are no longer in the program for a variety of reasons on and off the field. Uh, so we'll see what happens uh, with, uh, with them this year. And uh, once again, playing in the SEC, as you mentioned, Missouri, uh, probably not the uh, best uh, situation for improvement this year 
Uh, we will get to the sizzling seats. I think we'll do that in hour number two because we'll make room for the tour championship on the PGA Tour on the other side of the break. So we'll just shift things around, but get to the sizzling seats here with uh, Ross Dellinger's list from Yahoo Sports, wrapping up some college football discussion here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. But one more segment to go in hour number one next on this Wednesday, August 23rd. Turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here in KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. up hour number one on this Wednesday, August 23rd. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. The PGA Tour, it's reached its pinnacle. The Tour Championship is this week from Eastlake. It's a par 70, 7,348 yards. Remember, this is an unique event here because of the FedEx Cup points all contributing to how you start off the tournament. Scotty Scheffler, he's number one in the FedEx Cup point standings. That means he starts the week at 10 under par. Victor Hovland is number two. He starts the week at eight under par. Therefore, Scotty Scheffler's odds to win plus 130. Hovland plus 500. Rory starts the week at minus seven. His odds to win are plus 350. John Rahm starts at minus six. His odds to win are plus 850. Lucas Glover starts the week at minus five his odds to win are 55 to one max homa starts at four under par his odds to win are 35 to one and patrick cantlay starts at four under his odds to win are 18 to one looking into this the probability of the amount of golfers who can realistically win this event i think honestly are scotty victor rory and rom just because they're going to all collectively have to play some of their worst golf of the year that they've been playing and some of the players that are chasing that are starting at four under or at three under are going to have to play some of their best golf of the year so the odds that that's going to happen i think your winner comes from scotty victor rory or rom and those odds to win are just not something i want to be a part of there is shadow leaderboard which is the lowest 72 hole score without the starting strokes that's Rory McIlroy at plus 500 Scotty Scheffler plus 600 Rom 10 to 1 Cantlay 10 to 1 Xander Shoffley 11 to 1 Hovland 11 to 1 and Max Homa 18 to 1 Shoffley has been known to be an East Lake savant he shot 10 under par 15 under par 12 under par and 12 under par in a couple of years here that is not including the strokes that he started with I'm also potentially looking into some round one matchups. Cantlay and Xander. Xander over Cantlay at minus 105. And Henley and Spieth. Henley over Spieth, minus 105. But have not officially done anything for this particular PGA Tour championship with the starting strokes. Hour number two is coming up next. Next. 